it's been a few weeks since we recorded a podcast, so first, I'll say we missed you guys. We missed our listeners, but we are back, and the Blue Jays are back too. 19 games above 500, and on their way to a playoff spot, it seems, things are looking good. In this episode, Mitch Bannon and myself, Ethan Diamandis, will share our thoughts on the Blue Jays' homestand and take a look at some of our unsung heroes and season MVPs for 2022. As always, thanks for listening. wonder if the baseball scape missed us very much or maybe they were happy uh that our podcast disappeared for a few weeks but we are back the blue jays are in full swing heading down the stretch playing their best baseball of the season right you know they got up to 20 games uh, above 500 before are they still at that right now they got there at some point they're at 19 19 okay Um, could be 20 by tuesday on tuesday very possibly it could be 20. Um, yeah, they're playing good baseball. They're playing against the teams that they need to beat to, you know, stave off that that wild card chase and into the final day of the season that we saw last year. Um, maybe you're into that type of uh, uncertainty and, and possible heartbreak, but I'm pretty sure Toronto would rather have it that they have a big lead, you know, by the time that last series of the season rolls around. Yeah, I think... They they want this wrapped up before that final three gamer in Baltimore, just so everyone can take a deep breath. You say Kikuchi can start a baseball game. You can line your rotation <laughs> going up. Everyone in the playoffs. Wants. Yeah, that's that is exactly what everybody wants. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the division is in play. What they do in that last series, like yeah. we'll see where their priorities lie. I think a buy is pretty huge. So even if you have a slim shot, go for it in those last three games. It's getting that buy is basically like winning your first round series. So it's worth it to push there. But I do think the Blue Jays are playing their best baseball of the season right now. That has been true earlier in the year, and it's quickly turned into less good baseball. So we'll see if this is sustained. But everything's clicking right now. Like It's not like we saw them beat up on the Cubs. We, we saw them go to Pittsburgh and Texas and win those series. But they came back. They kept the hot streak going. They beat Tampa. They beat Baltimore. Those are two good baseball teams, one of which is probably going to be in the playoffs alongside the Blue Jays. So uh, I think you should feel pretty good about what the Blue Jays are doing on the field right now. I had a gut feeling, it, like, because you and I have talked about this a lot, that Toronto seems to have trouble sweeping. They, like, can get the two or three. And, like, even on Sunday where, you know, had in the ninth inning, uh, everything fell apart. But before we get into that, I think it's worth noting that they won a five-game series against Tampa. Like, that's huge. And one of those was a doubleheader. And remember what happened last time Toronto and Tampa played a doubleheader at Rogers Center? Thomas Hatch gave up, like, 11 runs. So, I mean, they did end up giving 11 runs in the season finale, or in the series finale, rather. But um, overall, I think you take that. And, yeah, so Jordan Romano blew a save on Sunday. But you're probably going to take the two or three there in Baltimore considering, you know, a couple of those games, the first two were pretty close. I mean, they're 6-3 games. They're not uh, coming down to the final out, but they were competitive the entire time. With Romano on Sunday, I mean, you were in that post-game chat um, 
seemed like his slider was a bit of an issue and, and that allowed the Orioles to sort of to sit on that pitch. Yeah, it's his slider has been very good all season, but it's also like every time out, it's a different pitch. Like sometimes it's like the Anthony Bass, like straight down curveball. Other times it's got a lot of horizontal movement. John Schneider said after the start today, it was just like kind of flat. And the Orioles seem to come in trying to attack that pitch. So it was like a, a good recipe of his slider not being great. And the Orioles trying to prioritize hitting the slider. And it, when you only have a one-run lead, you, you you can't really let up any runs. It's going to be a blown save. And Jordan, like, there is 0.0% worry for me after that Sunday. I'm sure you feel the same. Like, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball this year. We're going to talk about MVPs in a few minutes. I'd be surprised if his name doesn't come up even on the periphery of that conversation. Guys are going to blow saves. It happens. He'll bounce back and be great, I'm sure. Yeah. And listen, Romano's been spectacular. I mean, I don't know if his ERA is still under two, probably not at this point, but uh, it was going into that um, that appearance. And I get this is the modern reliever. I get the modern reliever throws 100 and, you know, they have a slider. And maybe there are two pitches and that's kind of all you need. But in this situation on Sunday, I mean, wouldn't it have been great if Romano, you know, had a second breaking ball or he had something going the other way? You know, he had a he had a change up. We see Felix Bautista throw a splitter like that. Just wrinkle, I think, adds a lot to what a hitter has to game plan for, especially when you're throwing 100 miles an hour, which is what Romano got up to on Sunday. I, I, I always find myself like trying to maybe pick holes and where Romano can be better. And it's hard because he's a fantastic closer. And I believe he's leading the American league in saves. If not, you know, close him and uh, guardians class say have been going back and forth, but yeah, I think he'll rise to the occasion in the playoffs and like big moments. Um, but I think the book is out on Jordan. And I think maybe that's most closers. Like I said, you know, you, you know, this guy's two pitches. He's just so good. He's going to beat you, but you know, it, it the Orioles, I'm not to say that they're a smart hitting team. Maybe, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But major league hitters, experienced major league hitters, especially, you know, on a team like Seattle, on a team like Tampa, I think they'll be able to uh, to game plan it. But we shall see. Um, we were going to talk just about- on that. Like, if the thing is, it's like if Jordan Romano also had a really good changeup, he's like a number one starter is like the thing. Like, I think they, I think it's less of like the modern relievers, the two pitch guy because it works and more that if the modern really good reliever had that third offering, had that third pitch, then they're like an ace starting pitcher. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Like what way it goes. Like it's maybe he's in that role. Cause he doesn't have the third pitch yeah. more than like, it would be great if he did have the third pitch. My counter to that would be is do relievers get to where Jordan Romano is. You know, you can't, necessarily like he's got a max out right like he's not if he's a starting pitcher he's not throwing 101 miles an hour he's not biting the slider as hard right so like when Romano was trying to be a starting pitcher as he was coming up through the Jays organization like did he have a changeup? probably was it good clearly not yeah. I mean I get it's a bit of both but you know if if Romano had a changeup, he wasn't going to be 100 miles an hour you know with the 90 mile an hour slider a changeup, and a starting pitcher I mean I think guys pick their role and then they build their skill set to their role. It's not necessarily like the pitch mix makes your role. I think your role makes the pitch mix. Now, I mean, maybe there's a, there's a counter to that, but 
that's my thought on that one. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. And I don't have a counter to that. So we, we can move on. Uh, <laughs> I think just, just kind of to wrap up that segment, the Jays are surprisingly like, even we say, or I said, they're playing their best baseball of the season right now. They are, I believe still atop the wild card standings. They're in as good of a position in the American league, aside from any teams, but Houston and the, Yan- and arguably the Yankees, uh, like, recent performance i don't know there's an argument to say you might rather be the blue jays than the yankees right now but the blue jays are one two three four five six seven eighth in world series odds that's below the seattle mariners which kind of surprised me it's almost tied with the rays for ninth and the guardians are not that far behind there uh i I don't know if that surprises you but that that kind of surprised me yeah i mean probably good value on the rays then if they're down there Knowing uh, how... always good value on the Rays, never not good value on the Rays. The sports books haven't figured out the Tampa Bay effect. I don't think anybody has, so I guess I don't blame them. But watch that bite them when the Rays win the World Series. Yeah, but you, you can if you do think there's values on on the Rays or the Jays, you, you can find those odds over at Bet Online, who is a sponsor of this episode. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. You can head over to BetOnline today on your mobile device and join today to make your first sports bet. You can use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's capital B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the Orioles took a tumble in those odds after this week, too. They're down to plus 1,500. That is the last team they list. Every team below them is, according to the books, basically eliminated. So the Blue Jays put the Orioles on the ropes, didn't quite eliminate them, didn't quite lock up a tiebreaker either with that loss. But they're in good shape, I think. And we're at the point where we're kind of previewing the playoffs, starting to wrap up the regular season, and the way we considered talking about doing that is like maybe looking at some some heroes for the blue jays season so far and some mvps do you want to which do you want to start with Ethan? maybe let's start with our unsung heroes now <laughs> we were throwing around this idea at the ballpark the other day and we talked about heroes and sung heroes um so we wanted to dig into people or players that um maybe people don't think about so much when they think about the greater mechanism that is the Toronto Blue Jays in 2022. And I think a big part of that um, comes from the bullpen, which is much better than last year. And I think that comes from Jimmy Garcia. I mean, we've seen him his last few outings. He's given up some contact, but he's also struck out the side in two of those outings. Um, And I think with Garcia, if you go and take a look at how consistent he was, you know, kind of after he came back for, I think he had, it was back. It was a back injury for him. He came back and he has been lights out. I mean, he's been <clears throat> the automatic eighth eighth inning guy. I mean, if something were to happen to Romano, I mean, God forbid, because you know, this, this is the crunch, this is crunch time for the season and for the playoffs. But I mean, I have confidence with Jimmy as a closer. I mean, I think he's done it before. Um, he doesn't have to be a closer on this team, which I think is very telling about how talented their bullpen is. I mean. He's been excellent. His fastball, his four-seam fastball has been excellent. Um, I just stat cast run value loves that. I know during the Tampa series at some point it was graded the third 
best forcing fastball in all of baseball behind Verlander and Carlos Rodon. I mean, that's like, that is truly crazy. Like a reliever and then two of the best starters in baseball. Like that's truly crazy. He's throwing that pitch way less than everybody else just because of innings. And it's the third best fastball in baseball. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I think if you, if you watch hitters reaction to it, especially in those outings where he struck out the side, I mean, he's just blowing it past people. I think maybe this plays into my point where he's a reliever with a lot of pitches, right? Like he has, he has, does he have a cutter and a slider? Yep. Yeah. Right. He's got a cutter and a slider. I imagine he has a changeup like this. Is, ball too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a Swiss army knife of, of a reliever. He has all these different tools he can use. Um, and that's fantastic. And especially when you're forcing fastball is, is one of the best in the league. Yeah. Jimmy was on my list too. And I think like the, the thing about in the post trade deadline world for this team, bring in Anthony Bass, who's kind of very similar to Jimmy, not necessarily in a pitch mix, mix wise, but like in where you trust him, the spots you would use him. And then, so like having two of those high power, right-handed eighth inning guys, in front of Jordan, you can then pick and choose matchups. You can use them in big sixth, seventh inning spots because you know you have the other guy for the eighth inning. So just having that pair to kind of pick and choose matchups in the final innings, if your starter only gives you five or six innings, it's just so big. And that is like how a modern, really good bullpen is built. You have your closer. You can still have your guy who's dedicated for the ninth inning, but then you have two, three, four guys who you're comfortable putting in to eighth inning spots. And another guy who the Jays are clearly comfortable using in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth innings, who's one of my unsung heroes, was Tim Meza. Very similar kind of consistency for the year to Jimmy Garcia. He's had his blips, especially coming back from time off. He, he had two injuries during the year. And those first couple outings after the injuries was both, or first few outings were, were kind of sketchy for Tim Meza. Everyone's like, uh-oh, has he lost it? But then both times he's put it back on the rails. He's been, for a large chunk of the season, the only lefty in the Blue Jays' bullpen, which, for when they have, like, 12 relievers down there at some point, is quite spectacular to say. I know you say Kikuchi's in the bullpen right now, but they're not really using him as, like, a southpaw matchup guy. But Mesa's done his job. He, he's been able to come in at any time. Lefties are hitting 185 against him, a 230 on-base percentage. He's been able to get righties out, so he's, he's not just, like, a loogie guy that they're trying to play matchups with. And this is like going back a few years, Tim Mesa could have easily been out of baseball. And then he's turned into the number one Southpaw for this team. Yeah. He's and like going into your point about adding Anthony Bass, Garcia being so valuable. I mean, it, it allows Mesa to not be counted on for being, and he was great as the eighth inning guy last year, no doubt. But I, I think you could tell at least early in the season that he maybe didn't have the same stuff he did last season. Um, the numbers are pretty comparable. Like he's striking out a, a few batters less, you know, he's given up a little bit more, a little bit um, a greater home run rate, but I mean, he's still been really effective. You know, he's been a trustworthy guy. And yeah, like you said, we're seeing, I mean, I think we like how Schneider uses the bullpen. And I think there've been games where, you know, if, if the top of the order is coming up and it's a close game, like we're seeing Bass in the sixth or Jimmy in the sixth, like, it, because the bullpen is so deep, it allows you to play these matchups, like you said. And yeah, Toronto only has one lefty, which is huge for matchups. And um, I think you can kind of see that, and especially this weekend, how the Orioles, you know, threw their lefties in the lineup. 
right? Like they stacked the top against Manoa. Brandon Hyde was kind of counting on Manoa staying in for a long time. And then on the flip side, he knows that they only have one lefty in the bullpen, right? Um, so that's one thing I think. Brandon Hyde didn't account for Trevor Richards coming in and carving the top of his lineup <laughs> twice, though. <laughs> he's basically left-handed, right? I mean, yeah, he's basically. He's the he, ultimate. He is the second lefty, but yeah. even ahead of Kikuchi, I think. Ridiculous. Hey, man, it, it, we did not approve of that opener move. We saw him just the day before, right? Get shelled for five runs, was it? Yeah. He and didn't he get all of them up, but they were all the the put order. on his radar. Yeah. He, and yeah. That's, that's why we're not managing the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. We're, we, that's that's the one thing holding us back. Yeah. Um, I thought that bullpen day went really well. Um, Could not have drawn it up better. Yeah. Three earned runs. One of them was like a nothing ninth inning run that Garcia gave up. Two of them were just, you say, eating innings in the middle and like he locked it in after giving them up. Like you, you can't draw a bullpen day up any better than that. David Phelps didn't pitch in that game, did he? asking a lot of me here uh i don't think so (laughs) either way he's one of my other unsung heroes and um not necessarily because of his stuff and but his stuff has been surprisingly good i mean he's he's been striking guys out he's been walking a a few more guys than he probably wants i know he's he's told me that he's been upset with himself for the amount of walks he's had this season but he's been excellent i mean era under three like he is the oldest guy in the bullpen i think he's 36 uh oldest guy on the team him and Hanjin, but um, yeah, he's been awesome. And not just because of his on-field play. I think he he plays an important role in the clubhouse and in the bullpen. He's sort of the, uh, the dad, the elder statesman, but he hasn't been to the playoffs since 2012, his rookie season with New York. Um, I think, I mean, we're going to talk to him at some point about kind of that experience, but while he hasn't been spectacular, uh, he's he's been steady. And I think that's so huge when we're talking about, you know, from going from the hierarchy of Romano, Garcia, Bass, Meza, you know, Simber, and then you get to Richards and Phelps. Like the fact that those guys are that far down the pyramid, I think is excellent. I think it speaks to the focus and preparation that someone like David Phelps would have to go through. I mean, he's at this point in his career, he's pretty injury prone, right? Like he had a, a, a pretty bad lat injury uh last season that wiped out you know his entire year after just 10 innings so i think getting a full season out of him i mean he he hasn't got on the injured list this year as far as i know right not once that's that's been spectacular i think he's an unsung hero agreed yeah his even just like throw the numbers out there the fact that another guy just like mesa even probably more so than mesa when he had that what was it the really gruesome like muscle tear off of the bone injury at the beginning of last year that like not only could have been the end of david phelps career probably should have been. yeah like guys don't come back from that 35 year olds don't come back from that and they certainly don't come back from that pitch 60 innings and don't get hurt the entire season the next year like it's throw the numbers out of the way the fact that he stayed healthy stay on this roster and stayed productive the whole year is incredible and like it's it's good that he probably barring a major blue Jays collapse is going to get back to the playoffs. Like what a reward for a guy who came back, tried it one more time and stayed healthy. Like it's kind of, I don't think he's going to retire after this year just because he's been so good. He definitely has a role to play in someone's bullpen next year, but if he wanted to, this would be a great way to walk off. Yeah. I think he probably will. 
Oh yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Uh, knowing like him and I think he has four kids and he's, he's, he's a big family guy. And like, I, I know he contemplated retirement after that injury. I mean, who wouldn't, like you said, that should have ended his career. It should have, that should have been it. Maybe a run to the playoffs is, um, you know, a great way to end it. I could also see Toronto re-upping him on another one-year deal. If he wants to come back here, I mean, I'm sure they'd be happy to have him. Um, so that's an option. I mean, we've talked a lot about the bullpen is unsung heroes and they're, are definitely plenty of them in there. Um, I'm going to get a little bit weird. I'm going to say that this unsung hero has a little bit more potential for being an unsung hero down the road. Um, it's not Bradley Zimmer, but it's Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh, I, I like think, this. I, like I think because, you know, you and I pulled up the outs above average page, looked at Toronto, and we're like, how the hell is this possible that Jackie Bradley Jr., has plus four outs above average. Now, I I don't know if this was the case, if that includes his time with Boston. That was only in September, I think. <clears throat> I think that was just September, like the that's 15 wild. game late. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So we've seen, we've watched a lot of Jackie Bradley track and fly balls. We've seen that <laughs> the press box at Roger Center is in left field, basically right next to the foul pole. Um, so not not ideal, but great if you want to watch outfielders move around. So Jackie Bradley Jr. is like a wizard at tracking fly balls. You know, he kind of like glides on the grass turf, I guess, glides on the turf. Um, and it looks like he's Cadillac into the ball a lot of the times, but then he'll just pull his glove up and the ball will land right into it. Like he has such a, and Springer does this too. Springer's good at reading balls, but Bradley is a fantastic outfielder. Um, you know, he's kind of, he doesn't quite have the speed that Bradley Zimmer has, but he's a better outfielder than Bradley Zimmer. No doubt about it. And he offers more at the plate. Like I get it. You know, he's got an OPS in the fives, you know, he's batting 220. Like I can't imagine his OBP is higher than I'm going to guess like 275. Oh, right? no like, chance. No chance. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't offer much, but he can still put the ball in play. You know, we've seen him get some base hits like as a nine guy, who can maybe run a bit. Like I know his speed isn't, isn't there entirely anymore. The defense I think will be big. Like there's a good chance we see, I mean, we'll see what the lineup is like, but it's possible. Brad, Jackie Bradley starts a playoff game. Like I'm not, I'm that's a half-hearted prediction. Actually, you know what? No, let's make it a full prediction. This is audio. This is where you do it. I think he's going to start a playoff game. Maybe not in the wild card, but like if Toronto is branching out beyond that, I could see him, you know, nine stick, you know, playing right field. If, you know, we want to put Teo into the DH, we'll spring her into the DH. Like Bradley could play center. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's still big question marks around Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s health. Like, and there's obviously question marks around George Springer's health. And he's the next man up if either of those guys is not able to play for sure. Like you mentioned the range, probably the best arm on the team too maybe Gurriel's is better, but it, it's close. Like he's like his arm is so respected in the league that his value in his arm doesn't necessarily show up in throwing guys out. It shows up and people don't even try to run on him. Like it's a, okay. Jackie Bradley juniors in right field. We're going station to station today. Like that's how respected and how good his arm is. I yeah. thankfully we don't have to go through the entire bullpen. Cause I also have a bat. That's an unsung hero too. This is I, I like the Jackie Bradley Jr. one. I didn't think of it, but that's a good one. This is, I think, Cavan Biggio. Now, hero might be a strong word. He, he probably hasn't had a heroic season by any means, but he's quietly had just 
like a very Kevin Biggio season. And considering the way it started, considering he lost his job to Santiago Espinal, he got sent down to AAA. He, he played a decent chunk in AAA. And then since he's come back, he's been a borderline everyday player, especially against right-handed pitching. And he's been pretty strong. And he's been super valuable. I think he brings a different approach, which is we, we talk about that all the time with this lineup and the, the kind of the right-handed heavy guys who swing for the fences. He doesn't do that. He has the good OBP. He's been really good against right-handed pitching. The results against lefties have been no bueno this year, but like they have, I think the value of Kevin Biggio or, or maybe more the value of Santiago Espinal and Whit Merrifield is that no matter what happens, you're going to have one of those guys on the bench. And so you can use Kevin against the righties and have the insurance that if the other team brings in a lefty, you got a second baseman who you can play the matchups with. And it, it kind of has allowed the Blue Jays to really enhance the value of Kevin Biggio. I really like him as a defensive first baseman too. And they've needed to give uh, Vlad some time off from there this year. So he, he's just doing the little things, bringing the different approach. Like he's just a super valuable member of this team. Maybe that qualifies as an unsung hero. Yeah, I think so. I think in the same light as like a Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, like, it's hard to ask for a better bench option than Kevin Biggio, right? I mean, a guy who can play multiple positions. I feel like he's ultimately best suited for playing first base, but, you know, Flat's there. You don't need him there as often. So he's done all right at second, I think. The outfield's been a little sketchy, but there's enough outfielders or at least enough guys who are capable of playing the outfield. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about platoon hitting uh, with Toronto and that a lot of their bench bats offer the same kind of skill set, right? Like Jackie Bradley Jr. He's going to be contacted or, you know, not a ton of potential for power. Whit Merrifield, sort of the same thing. Bradley Zimmer, he's not pinch hitting. Um, <laughs> I hope not. Um, but Kevin at least offers you heavy OBP skills. Like that's always been his best trait. Like he'll, he feels the strike zone. Like, yeah, he strikes out looking a ton, but, so he he seems to generally have a good idea of what is this, what's a strike and what isn't. I think that's valuable, especially in high pressure situations. A guy that's not gonna, you know, get too far out of his approach, even you know, even if you know he's striking out on a pitch that he thinks is outside. Like he knows where the zone is. He's had experience, you know, being around high level baseball. Like not just like he he's he's I think a valuable valuable member potentially in the playoffs, right? As a pinch hitter. Um, and he has the potential for pop. Like he can hit for power. It, it hasn't shown up this season, the last two seasons, really, but he can do it. I agree um, that he's an unsung hero for sure, but also Just, there's maybe potential for him down the line, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He'll play to parents in the playoffs for sure, similar yeah. to Bradley Jr. Like he, he's just a guy who, when the specific matchup calls for him, he's going to be in there. And you, you just look at the the game on Sunday, the Blue Jays blow it in the top of the ninth, get down two runs. The first two batters in the bottom of the ninth get out. Kevin Biggio comes up, works a full count walk. And that George Springer, the next batter, misses the game tying home run by like three feet, two feet. And so that that would have been, we would have been talking about the Springer homer and how important that Biggio walk was before it to get it back tied if Springer had hit the ball two more feet. And like that, I think that's the perfect example of two outs, bottom of the ninth, down two. He's not trying to get the home run he knows his job he'll take the walk and walk down to first base yeah against like one of the most fearsome closers i've ever seen i mean yeah. like 
Felix Bautista hit 103 miles an hour on the radar gun. He's massive. He throws a splitter. He throws 103. Like, honestly, watch out for him. I mean, if there's any, if there's ever a takeaway from what this Orioles bullpen has done or what this team has shown us, like, on an entirely different note, he is absolute going to be an absolute menace in the AL East down the line for sure. I think we'll transition into our MVPs now. Um, and there's been a lot of discourse about this. There, there are a lot of good options, I think, that have offered equal value to Toronto um, from the rotation, from, you know, the top of the order, the middle of the order. Um, I think we can maybe talk. I'm not I'm not necessarily so sure on some of these people, but maybe we can talk about um, let's say Vlad. Let's say Vlad this season. He's not necessarily my number one pick for MVP, but. You know, he's he's up there, uh, I think, on a regular team that wasn't kind of as stacked as Toronto. You know, he's probably your MVP, right? He's had some big homers. The overall, the stats look nice. Like, he's played a clean first base. Um, but on Toronto, I'm maybe not so sure that he's been the MVP this season. Yeah, I think, like, the Jays are lucky that he's not a slam dunk MVP because I agree. I think he's just – he's been their best offensive player. You can maybe make the argument for Kirk. If you if you want to look at only rate statistics, you can make the argument for Danny Jansen. But um, I, I think Vlad has been the offensive engine of this team. He's had his ups and downs all year. He's had like the ground ball issues and the swing decision issues at times. But like when this season is over and when we look at Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s numbers, they're going to be really, really good. And they're going to be the best on this team. And so uh, I agree. He is not a slam dunk MVP. I, I would say he's probably my number two. But it's very close. And I think like Blue Jays fans might be getting a little like uh, not greedy, but expecting Vlad to do what he did last year and have just like a historically good offensive season is probably too much to do. Like on Fangraphs' offensive value, he's like the 25th most valuable offensive player in the year, which is like really good. But it's also below guys like Jeff McNeil and Yandy Diaz, who you'd probably be hoping Vlad has a better season then. But like if he's a top 20, top 25 offensive player every year for the next decade, like that's a hall of famer. Yeah. I I agree with you on that. I'm not, I'm not going to call Blue Jays fans unappreciative, but he is, uh, I mean, it's, it's fair to criticize him this season. I think there's been, yeah, uh, there's been, there's been issues that he's had. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, his, his OPS fine. It's not in the, the nines. He's not, he doesn't have the OBP numbers this year or the home runs, but still been a pretty stellar season. I'm going to throw out a guy, again, who I don't think is the clear-cut MVP, but with the last month that he's had, how wild is it that we could even be talking about Bo Bichette as this season's MVP? I mean, the guy who had, you know, the low 700 OPS for most of the season, you know, he, he had a horrible April, he was struggling, something was up. But man, oh man, in late August, did he ever find it? And what he's done since then has been off the charts. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up his just like month by month splits now. I know I looked before this kind of homestand because he was doing crazy things on the road. And like it's he's saved his season. Just there's no other way to put it. It was an objectively tough season for Boba with way more cold streaks than hot streaks. And then this one hot streak has saved the entire season. And if he can keep this up for the rest of the regular season, even something close to this and into October, like that's. If he performs like this in a couple playoff series, 
no one will remember the cold streaks at the beginning of the year. No one will be talking about all the swing and miss at the beginning of the year being laid on all those fastballs. He has the opportunity to completely rewrite the narrative on a season. He's already kind of done it and he can continue to do it. Yeah. I think Bo's season will be defined in the playoffs for sure. And he, him and Springer and Vladdy, man, those three, they strike me as absolute playoff heroes. I mean, Springer is a playoff hero. He has a world series MVP. He's done this before. Um, those guys are all clutch. They might, we might reserve the likes of Springer, Vladdy and Bo perhaps for playoff MVP. Should the Blue Jays, um, get to the point where there is a sizable enough, uh, database to, to award such, uh, an award. Uh, but last guy, before I kind of get into my pick, what do you think? I don't think Springer is the MVP this year. I understand he's done, um, a ton to fight through a, a pretty nagging injury. All things considered, he still had a decent season. <laughs> Maybe he wins like the hardest working award, but he, I don't know if he, if he wins the most valuable player, I think it's worth talking about Alejandro Kirk in that light. Um, in the first half, he was pretty much Toronto's best hitter. I, I would say in terms of OBP, he was not striking out. He was still hitting for power. And then in the second half, things have, kind of tailed off right we haven't i don't think he's got more than two or three home runs in the second half um i think i've noticed kind of the defense not exactly at the level it was at the start of the year i get it listen he's a guy that um is still really young to the major league level you know he's never played this many games in a season you know he missed two months last year with that hip injury that's now bugging him again so obviously he's been, he's probably, this has been bugging him for a while. You know, I get it. Um, what do you think about Alejandro Kirk, you know, near the top of this, this leaderboard? Yeah. He deserves to be mentioned in this conversation for sure. I don't think he is the team's MVP, but like there was a month there where he was the team's MVP for sure. He was the only one hitting in the middle of the season there up until the all-star game. But yeah, I think this has just been like a, a reality season for Alejandro Kirk everyone's like what is this guy what can he be and they're like oh he can be the best offensive catcher in baseball for large stretches like I think I think when his season's over and he finds kind of it'll his OPS will settle down somewhere around 800 that is what we can expect from Alejandro Kirk he's going to have the hot streaks he's going to have the power leave him for a little bit but he is an 800 OPS hitting catcher which is very rare and very valuable yeah but uh except two of them yeah well, th- three potentially if Moreno does with the stick what people think he can do. Yeah. Um, I assume, I'm not 100% sure, we haven't talked about this before, but I think we might be trending to the same MVP pick given, given the names that have been discussed. Uh, is your yours a starting goes pitcher? Kato? Yes, mine's goes Kekito. Yes, <laughs> it's Tyler Heineman and his yeah. uh, his magic skills and his, his sleight of hand. Um, no, our, I think our number one is Alec Manoa, both of us. Oh. Yeah, it's, I mean, he leads the team in war. Um, He's been an absolute workhorse. He's pitched through the flu game and and like not, not to attribute his MVP status just to this one game, but I think Sunday was a good example of kind of like why this guy's been the MVP. Like he didn't have his best stuff. Like he was, that was not peak Alec Manoa, no doubt. Like Velo's down. Um, he's wearing the brunt of an entire season of being this workhorse. Uh, he's walking five guys. 
Like, I don't know if that's a season high. I feel like it's close to at least. Um, didn't have his best stuff. You know, still eight, what, six full, seven full. He he's was, a quality start machine. Like, yeah. he, he, I don't think he's had his best stuff for like four or five weeks. There hasn't been a start unless I'm forgetting something where it's like, oh, Alex, like, oh, he's got it. But like, you look up at the end of the game and it's like, Alec gave you a 6.2, let up two earned runs, got the win. Like, it's, he is a quality, it's Franville Valdez and Alec Noah are the quality start machines mm-hmm. in baseball right now. And like, he, he had the flu game. He had like, I think it was during a Tampa series a month and a half ago where he got hit in this throwing elbow with a ball, a comebacker. Yeah. And he just made his next start. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. It hurts, but I'm going to go out there. He's hasn't missed a start this year, I don't think. Like a true workhorse, built like a workhorse, pitches like a workhorse. He's and like way past his career innings limit. Like this should not be happening. He should have been shut down a month ago if this was like Steven Strasburg when he was coming up. But like the Blue Jays are just going to ride Alec Manoa as, as far as he'll take them this year. And he's giving them no reason to do anything else. Because we got what? Two Alec Manoa starts left, three maybe. Probably three, yeah. Depending on how that how meaningful he that only, last Baltimore series is. Yeah, he only needs sixteen and a third innings to get to two hundred innings. If he gets three starts, he's there. That's crazy. That's that's crazy. That like I mean, if anyone was going to do is him, and I'm happy that Toronto just let him rip this season. And I think if they had held him back and load managed. You know, they wouldn't be where they are in the standings. Like, I think Alec Manoa is that. And, you know, you're seeing the effects of it, right? Like you said, he hasn't had his best stuff for a while. Velo's been down. But, yeah, when push comes to shove, you want him on your team, and he's been this year's MVP. And you talk about Vlad, Springer, Bo, guys built for the playoffs. He hasn't had a playoff game yet in his career. No doubt in my mind that Alec Manoa is built for the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. Well, we'll wrap up this episode here. Um, so this will be Monday when you guys are listening to it. Mitch and I will have another episode by the end of the week. We'll break down kind of the playoff look ahead. We'll get a little bit more serious. This was our fun episode. Um, but when we talk to you guys next time, we will break down the Blue Jays playoff chances and and what they have left to do before the season's over. 